Hello, this is Hilary Robertson. Welcome once more to Harmonious World. This week, I'm joined by one of Canada's finest singer-songwriters, Lila Bialy. It's a delight to interview her for the second time. She's actually episode two of series one, which was way back in May. Do take a listen to that one, but also find Lila on social media. She's very interesting. So here we go. Hello, welcome, Lila. It's so lovely to talk to you again. We spoke way back at the beginning of lockdown, and now here we are, several months later, and you've won another award, and you've got <laughs> more music out. And I've been listening to your radio show, and oh. I love your birthday tribute, um, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a moment. So how have you been? Oh, thanks for asking, Hillary. It's so good to be back. Um, I feel like over the course of this crazy period in history, I'm, I'm making new friends and you're among them. So that's one of the silver linings. I'm well, you know, it, all things considered, you always have to kind of give that uh, proviso. I think pandemic is growing a little more tiresome. I think we're starting to, to develop a little more cabin fever. Thank goodness, you know, things lifted a little bit in the summer months, right? And, and through the early fall, um, I don't know about the UK, but um, pretty quickly after school resumed, we had to, you know, walk it back a little bit and move to a modified stage two, which is partial lockdown. And so for me as a musician, I just think, oh, when will the day come again when we can take to the stage and, and do what we love most, which is share music in a living, breathing room with a living, breathing audience. I miss it so much. But in the meantime, I remain grateful for technology. You know, we're trying to kind of build our skills in, in that area as best we can, which will serve us even when things do reopen. And uh, thank goodness I'm married to an engineer, so we're able to produce new music from within our home. And that's where Both Sides Now came along. We, we in an afternoon on a Sunday, uh, recorded that and uh, wanted to do something for for Joni's birthday this year in early November and that's how that happened. Yeah and Both Sides Now is actually it's a great song for 2020 isn't it? That's why we chose it. I had actually arranged it as part of a Joni 75 initiative that I had going when she turned 75 a couple years ago but we we did a, like a living room version right here on this piano <laughs> You know, it was, it was much more kind of homegrown sounding. And so we decided we would take a crack at it with proper, you know, studio microphone and setup. And, and we really felt like of all her songs, that was the one that spoke to this moment. And it feels especially poignant. Yeah. Yes. For so many reasons. And I think in some ways we've lost a little bit of the Black Lives Matter in in the because obviously here in the uk we've got brexit which is getting really serious Oof, yes and over there you've obviously got um uh, you've obviously got the whole trump biden thing going on um, yes yes and, and <laughs> i think that that whole concept of both sides coming together in whatever form shape form medium that is it's got to be a good thing. I agree. And I, I think, you know, one of, the, one of the things that's so brilliant about how Joni writes her lyrics, and I think that's why people are so compelled by who she is as a songwriter, you know, she le leaves room for people to interpret her songs in a way that's very personal. Mm 
And as you've just done, you know, in a way that kind of can be overlain or, or, or kind of um, brought into the current moment. And um, yeah, this idea of weighing two sides and seeing that there are positives and negatives to be drawn from both pros and cons is really healthy. And I think that ultimately it can kind of bring us together across that divide, <laughs> which we really need right now, Hillary. I, I'm actually in Canada, but I am cool. um, a dual citizen. And there's no doubt that everyone around the world is affected by what's happening in the U.S. and will be affected by what happens in this next election. And funnily enough, I couldn't believe it. I, I posted the other day just a teaser for the song. And I know we probably shouldn't get too much into politics, um, but I will say it was so funny. The, the, the picture that I chose was from an old photo shoot and it had, I was wearing this very sweater and behind me were these panels of just sort of uh, red um, on a, this square and kind of an art, artsy way and then some blue <laughs> and then some white. And I realized, oh my gosh, those are the colors of the US flag. And then funnily enough, um, both sides now comes out the very week of the US election and I'm totally in blue. And I thought, well, that's good. <laughs> because <laughs> when it comes to my politics stateside, I'm firmly in the blue camp. But I think it's been really important to dialogue openly with friends of mine. And I have many who support Trump. My husband's always a little shocked. How can you still be friends with them? But I think it's really important to allow both sides to have their voice um, and to um, enable there to be a peaceful forum in which an open dialogue can take place because there seems to be so little of that these days. Yes. And that, of course, was the reasons why the lyrics of that song you know, looking at life from both sides now. So thank you. And it is a beautiful, beautiful recording. And I, I hadn't even thought about the fact that you'd recorded it at home because it just <laughs> sounds like a studio recording. That's the power of being married to a professional recording engineer. You know, he's wow. a drummer first and foremost, but I, I am so blessed, especially now in these times, to have my hubby. He's, he's downstairs as we speak, working on another song that we're going to release in December. So I'm just so fortunate. I really am. Although I have to say, I'd be lost without him. And part of me thinks so many of my friends have acquired engineering skills on their own because they've had to. And I feel like maybe I've missed out a little bit because I would, I would love to be able to commandeer, you know, pro tools myself if it came down to it. So, yeah. but I am, I'm very lucky. Yeah. It's very good. Right. So <laughs> talk to me about the um, SOCAN award. Yeah. So SOCAN, I don't know what the, what the equivalent is in the UK. Um, it's PRS. Ah, okay. Think, yeah. You're on it. So in the US, the equivalent would be BMI or ASCAP. Um, here at SOCAN, it's a performing rights organization, and it's all about publishing and songwriting um, by extension. So honoring and protecting songwriters um, and their creative content. I was notified confidentially, the news was under embargo for many, many months, many more months than, than I ever imagined. Um, I was notified in early uh, 2020 that I would be receiving this award, which is um, the Haygood Hardy Award for Excellence in um, Songwriting in Jazz, World, and Instrumental. It was totally unexpected. Uh, I really think 
have for so many years thought of myself as a cover artist and I'm just really beginning to get used to this idea that I am in fact a composer and songwriter. But the awards were supposed to be a full red carpet industry televised event at the end of March, right after I released Out of Dust, which felt like really fortuitous timing until the pandemic hit in early March. And then, of course, they had to put everything on hold. And I couldn't even breathe a word of the news to anyone beyond my immediate team. And then finally, uh, in September, they went live with the news and everybody got to kind of unbox their award and, and get to see what it looked like for the first time, which was really exciting and fun. So, yeah, I've, I've been honored by my country as a songwriter. And it, it just kind of blows my mind and, and encourages me to keep going because... Uh, I'm hard on myself when it comes to songwriting. <laughs> I think it's easy to be hard on yourself when you come from the same country as Joni Mitchell, right? So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that Out of Dust is such a beautiful album. I mean, I absolutely love your cover version of the Gregory Porter, Take Me to the Alley. I really, genuinely... And, and it's the same, the same is true, actually, of both sides now, that mm. you do something different with both songs. Yes. And that's, yeah. obviously, that's, that's a fantastic being a great jazz singer, but also your, your composition skills, your songwriting skills are, are brilliant. So, um, and it's great that you got that award. Oh, so, thank you. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> so um, we started talking a little bit at the beginning about lockdown, obviously, mm -hmm. and, and how it's changed. I, I don't know about you, I feel as if we missed a trick in August because August could have been a starting point of more live music. I think if we'd realised that we were yeah. going to get a kind of six-week window where it started to get back to careful social distance, but you know, people being able to get out and about if we'd taken advantage of that in August, we might have been able to get to gigs. And now it feels like that moment has passed and we're all having to batten down again. You know, it's interesting you should mention that because in early September, I was dialoguing with my agent in Europe. Um, I have representation by different agencies in Canada, the US and Europe. And my agent in Europe is based in Germany. And I had been seeing many of my colleagues across the pond pursuing pretty robust touring schedules, and particularly in Germany. And I was like, this, wow, they're so yeah. lucky because that isn't even happening in Canada. So I was talking with my agent and we were looking towards uh, rebooting the plan we had for the tour, um, our initial tour that was planned for this past April. We were supposed to, you know, tour for two, three weeks across Europe to promote the new album. And I was going to be at Jazz Ahead as a headliner, this huge annual jazz conference in Bremen. And so that all got leveled. And the idea was to try to sort of resurrect a similar tour um, for April of 2021. And so I started, you know, kind of knocking on my agent's door over email saying, hey, you know, we're, we're a few months out now, we should probably really get things going. And I'm watching everybody touring across the pond, and, and especially in Germany. And, I, and she, she responded back with some skepticism. And I was a little frustrated because I thought, well, hey, I'm seeing a very different picture over there. 
But now look at what's happened. Germany has had to go back into lockdown or some stage of it. And, you know, it really begs the question, when are we going to wriggle out from underneath this and do it safely and in a way that is ultimately sustainable? You know, or is it going to be touch and go? Is it going to be one step forward, two steps back, two steps forward, one step back? You know, my sense is it'll probably be the latter. I agree. And especially, I don't know if you saw the news this week that antibodies seem to last for a very brief period of time. No, I know. And this has been devastating hearing the odd case study of, of those who became infected once more. And I heard two different studies or, or not studies, but um, reports where one in which um, the patient had, you know, far less serious, like really inconsequential symptoms the second go. But then I also heard about a case where it was much worse the second time. And I thought, oh goodness, this is just a completely erratic and unpredictable virus, isn't it? Yeah, it's baffling. And I think that we're all, I mean, especially in the UK at the moment, we're all very critical of how, how it's being handled. But, you know, who could do any better? I've been taking my news from the World Health Organization. I, I decided very early on that I'd go right to the source. And so Good for you. Well, especially, I mean, I think everywhere around the world, but in the UK especially, you know, there's so much division in terms of who you listen to and who you believe and what the what the the disinformation is. Yeah. I thought, right, I'm gonna try and, and go back to the source. So I listen to and and and, re- and watch everything from the from the World Health Organization first. And it's interesting because I think one of the things that we also lose sight of is the fact that in richer countries of the world, you know, we haven't got much to moan about. We've got access to everything we need, even in lockdown. You know, I can put an online um, shopping delivery in and it can be delivered the next day or a couple of days later or something, you know, in the developing countries, they've got, they haven't got access to clean water, some of them, let alone all of the stuff that we've got. So in Canada, you, you make such an important point. And in Canada, we see that reflected in our Indigenous communities. This was already an issue pre-pandemic where, you know, we've had Indigenous communities, especially in northern parts of the country, where there have been water advisories for decades, decades. And we are a wealthy country you know, with this, um, the most recent government um, under Pierre Trudeau, not Pierre Trudeau, I'm sorry, Justin, <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Oh, wow, wow. That was a little throwback right there. Um, you know, uh, we've been very um, deeply involved with the, what we call the Truth and Reconciliation Act. Maybe you've heard about some of yes. this. But anyway, efforts to really try and retroactively make up for the offenses that our country was guilty of for decades, 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 that we're still feeling the ramifications of today. And so that is, you know, a a genuine effort being made by people in power that we hope is sort of trickling down into just the culture of Canada in general. But um, it's a, it's, it's a, we have a long way to go. And um, indigenous communities have lived in fear of COVID showing up because they are so grossly under-resourced. And um, so you think about, as you just articulated, our concerns 
and then you look at what they would face and it's just vastly different. So we do try to remain grateful for the good, don't we? And see the ways in which we can perhaps impact and help those who are not so lucky. Right. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we've had in the UK um, in the last couple of weeks was um, a footballer, Marcus Rashford, you may have seen the news, but he's mm. a, he's a, a, a well-known young footballer in the UK and he's yeah. been campaigning for free school meals, which is something that a lot of people get during yes. school time and they don't get anything during holiday time, which oh, okay. seems bizarre because you don't stop needing to eat during holiday time. And so we've had a week of school holidays um, this week, actually, that's where we're in the middle of. And okay. um, so he's been campaigning and saying that those free school meals should be available to children that need them during holiday time. Yes. And our government is very much the wrong side of conservative and they're very much kind of, well, I genuinely think there are some of them who believe that if you have children, you should know that you've got enough money to support them for their lifetime. And therefore, you know, and things change, you know, yeah. some person, you have a baby and then something changes and you can't afford to feed them or things happen. And we have to, those of us who are in a position of, of actual wealth, you know, need to help everybody else. And that's, that's what taxes are for. You know, I'm firmly with you, you know, and I, under, I understand that there's a contingent um, or contingency that, that there, there, it's the bootstraps mentality, right? People need to yeah. help themselves, but sometimes you need to empower people or help them get dug out of the, the hole enough to be able to help themselves. They don't stand a chance until they get some, some support um, yeah. and access to basic, basic needs, human rights-based needs. Yes. You know? Exactly. Well, I, I'm firmly with you. And that's the ongoing debate, you know, which takes us back to both sides now. <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and Black Lives Matter and wanting to be on the right side of history. But we won't win people over um, if we can't communicate with them in a way. I mean, sometimes you have to hit people over the head. Sometimes you have to. But um, when it seems to only create more division, you have to see if there's another way to come at it. You know, and then you think of people like Gandhi and what it looks like to peacefully resist. And gosh, it's, it's just an age old issue. And we'll have to see how we come out of this. And I hope, I hope there's some good to come from, yes. from all the disarray. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got both sides now out, which is very exciting. And it's, oh, it's a great tune. It's a great song anyway, but your version of it is lovely. Um, and then you said you've got something exciting new coming up in December. What, are, what yeah. else is on, in the pipeline? We're going to release a holiday song. I don't do it often, but I've, I've tried to make it an annual tradition now. And usually I go with sort of more secular songs and um, non-religious. But in this instance, I actually chose Silent Night. And I think that's partly, again, maybe it maybe it's, was my instinct within pandemic. It, it also was the theme of Bialy Christmases in Vancouver. My mom is from Germany. She's from Kassel. And, uh, you know, we grew up going to church and every Christmas Eve, uh, you know, no matter, no matter the weather, we would make the trek down to uh, the local Baptist church just down the road. And um, it was always a candlelight service and we would light the candles um, at the very end of the service, at which point, um, the, the church would sing Silent Night and they would always, 
the final verses would be a cappella, and then they would actually allow my family, because we were a musical family, six of us, four girls and my parents, to sing Stille Nacht. So, uh, you know, Silent Night is originally a German song, yes. I believe. And so we would sing the German verses in full harmony. <laughs> and, you know, there's just, I think, as chaotic as pandemic feels in that it's really kind of, you know, turned our lives upside down. I think one element of lockdown that's beneficial is there can be sort of a quiet to drawing inward and tucking in with loved ones if you're so fortunate to have loved ones to tuck in with. Um, and, uh, and for those who maybe don't, um, I don't know, I hope there's a, a stillness and a calm that can come with the holiday season and, and that that song might help bring. Perhaps I'm naive in my belief in that, but it just felt like um, another song that, that was meaningful for me, that held personal meaning in this particular time. Lovely. Very good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me the time again and congratulations on your SOCAN award and for both sides now, your new single, because that, that's beautiful. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. You as well. We'll send you Silent Night when it's ready. As I said, my husband is working on it right now. And I just have to say, um, I thought of you when Gregory Porter's new record came out. I thought of you because we spoke about him and his music the last time. And so when my husband and I listened through, you were actually front of mind. I was wondering, you know, what, what your thoughts were, would be. And uh, I just look forward to continuing this conversation uh, together. And thanks again for the opportunity to share um, who I am and what I do with your listeners. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, it was a pleasure to interview Lila once more. And it sounds like it won't be too long before I'm talking to her again. So I hope you enjoyed that chat and I hope you found it interesting. Please do subscribe so that you automatically get next episode's into your inbox and thank you for listening now and see you again soon thank you for listening to the latest episode of harmonious world my name is hillary seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you obviously there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and i'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so thanks also to joe english for composing and performing this new theme tune so wherever you get your podcast you can leave a review you can share this with your friends and family either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing i'd be really grateful for that don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week. And please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World. <laughs>